Why are we here? Like, right here. Sitting with these people at this exact time. There's an African proverb that says, If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go, go together. together. This reflects a timeless truth. A truth written into our DNA that affirms the notion that in a world that is increasingly isolated, progressively self-absorbed, and dynamically individualistic, we are better, better together. together. We were made this way by a creator who is and has always been united in diversity. He is the definition of unity, community, and solidarity, three in one. And scripture says our creator created a community for us to thrive in. A community who, though diverse and different, would gather together. A community who could express themselves authentically with a God who loves them, people who need one another, and a world waiting to hear. A community of Christ followers who are committed to being real real with God, God, real real with with each other, and and real in the the world. A community who is, by design, better together. together. And it's the idea that God has created us for community. God has created us not to live isolated, not to live and do our faith on our own, but actually to be in community with other people. And this series is kind of talking about what that looks like and what that actually means when we are better together. And I'm going to talk to you about a little bit, I just want to say, tonight's going to be a little bit of an awkward message because the story is a little bit awkward. But... If it's in the Bible, we got to talk about it, right? There's no verses that are off limits. Um, there are some things in the Bible. There's some crazy stuff that happens in this book. If you haven't opened it up, there's war stories. There's betrayal. There's a whole book about sex, Song of Solomon, if you want to go check that out. That's, well, if you do after that, that's kind of weird, but whatever. It's in the Bible. What I'm saying is there's nothing that's off limits in this, in this book. And because it's in the Bible, we got to talk about it. And so tonight we are talking about kind of a weird setup, a weird story As Jesus is ministering to people, he's walking through the towns. That's how you got around back then. You walked. And as he went, crowds followed him everywhere. And the story about to pick up tonight is important. And here it is. Luke chapter 8, verses 42 through 48. So as Jesus went, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Okay. Just to clarify any questions you might have, when the Bible says this woman was suffering from constant bleeding, it is the bleeding you might be thinking of, uh, ladies. It uh, it was kind of like she had her period for like 12 years straight. And could you imagine, right? I've never had a period, but I've heard they're terrible. So um, uh, what is going on is this, there's, there's bleeding going on for 12 years straight. And back then, if you were of lower class, if you were kind of overlooked, it might be really hard for you to find medical attention, to find a doctor, to find someone who could actually help you out. And in fact, back then, there was a belief that if you had a physical ailment, like if there was something wrong with you physically, that it was people thought that God was judging you and God was judging you for your sin. And so what they would do is they'd want to be like, oh man, God's judging them for their sin. I want to kind of keep a distance from that person. And so she had this kind of awkward physical ailment going on that kind of separated her from people. And then she also had a spiritual thing where God, where 
people thought that she was being judged by God for her sin, and so they kind of just kind of cast her out and were good to not want to be around her and to spend any time with her. And so could you imagine anyone, whether it's um, a period or not, but could you imagine her suffering through something terrible for 12 years, but having to do it alone and not having a support system, not having friends, not having family to lean on, and you're just having to walk through this, not even be able to access a doctor, and, 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 and this is what's going on or something similar in this woman's life. And that's a really hard place to be. But because of all this stuff, she was kind of cut off from the crowd, and, and, and it was kind of a, something that she wasn't proud of, obviously. She, she, she was coming after Jesus, right? The, the verse says that a woman was there who suffered with constant bleeding. And as we see in verse 44... Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. So what she is doing is she's in this crowd. She's heard about Jesus. She has this thing going on. She's heard about Jesus. She's heard Jesus can heal and help figure things out. But um, because she is embarrassed about her condition, she's in this crowd trying to be anonymous, like just trying to like float through and have no one really see her and have no one really you know, get to know that she's there. And all she's trying to do is just touch Jesus' robe. Because she's heard that Jesus can actually heal her just by saying, you're healed. And so she's embarrassed. She's crawling through the crowd, and she's trying not to be seen. You know, she, and, and, and so she touches the fringe of his robe. She had faith that Jesus can heal her if she's got near. So immediately, the Bible says, verse 44, the bleeding stopped. And Jesus says, who touched me? Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master... Jesus, homie, uh, this entire crowd is pushing up against you. I want, has anyone, everyone ever been to a concert? Have you ever been to a concert or maybe like the, the hallways of your high school or your middle school in between class? I guess you guys have mostly outdoor schools. I had an indoor high school and middle school because it got cold where I live. And when we would change classes, you'd be like this trying to get to your class, like walking up against the locker because everyone was just like pushing and shoving and it really uh, wasn't a good thing especially now with uh, COVID. And so, anyway, but if you've been to a concert, it's been really crowded, and you have really no way to move your arms, you're kind of just, that's the kind of crowd that's going on right here. And so Jesus says, hey, listen, who touched me? And Peter's like, Jesus, homie, literally everyone in this crowd is touching you. Everyone's pushing up against Jesus. Everyone's trying to hear Jesus. Everyone is trying to figure out who Jesus is and what he can do, and they're all just kind of around him. And so everyone is touching Jesus, but Jesus says, no, 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 no. Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out of me. So it wasn't just someone kind of like bumped shoulders with Jesus or whatever. It was someone that he, Jesus knew reached out and deliberately tried to touch him, which brings me to a very interesting point. Jesus, in this moment, knew the difference between someone who was there to just be part of the crowd and someone who was there because they knew that they needed him. Let me say that again. Jesus knew the difference between someone who was there to just be part of the crowd and someone who was there because they knew that they needed him. Friends, you and I are all part of this crowd right now. Now, because of COVID, we're socially distant and we're not like bumping up against each other, or maybe you are, whatever. Um, but here's the deal. Jesus and this crowd as well knows who is here because we're just want to be part of the crowd and who is here deliberately seeking him. You may not want to say that to your friends or your life group leader, but if you have a moment right now, just be honest with yourself. 
kind of touched on this last time. Why, why are you here? Jesus knows who is here for the crowd and who is deliberately seeking after him. So at this point, you got to imagine, so the, everyone is bumping up against Jesus, and then Jesus, the woman touched Jesus' robe, and she's healed. She just touched his robe. That's like crazy power, right? And so then Jesus all of a sudden stops and is like, hold up, who touched me? And so the woman, at this point, you, could, you knew that she knew, that Jesus knew what was going on. Because when the woman, the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. Verse 47. So Jesus realizes someone touched him, and the woman realizes that Jesus knew it was her, and she was trying to stay hidden. Remember, she was supposed to stay cast out. She was supposed to stay away from everyone because she was unclean. She was cut off from God. She wasn't supposed to be around everyone, and here she is touching Jesus himself. And so when Jesus says, who touched me? This woman thinks she's in so much trouble. And you got to imagine this moment. Right? The whole crowd's listening to Jesus' words, and you gotta, or they, they hear Jesus say, whoa, whoa, who touched me? And they're all thinking, what's Jesus thinking? What's, what is this woman thinking that Jesus is thinking? Would Jesus be mad? Is he about to, like, get her in trouble? Did she steal healing power by touching him without asking Verse 40, 47 goes on to say, The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. And, okay, so it's very easy to kind of go past this verse, but I want to explain it just for a second because it's very important. Remember, this woman was trying to stay hidden. She was in this big crowd because she didn't want anyone to see. She was embarrassed. She didn't want anyone to know her story. She didn't want anyone to know what was going on in her life. She wanted to kind of stay isolated and alone and just kind of get the healing power and then get on out, right? But she couldn't. She got caught. Jesus called her out in front of all these people. And now, instead of being able to just touch Jesus, get healed, and go home, now she's explaining her entire story in front of all these people who she thought may judge her and ridicule her and condemn her. What an awkward place to be. Could you imagine your deepest, darkest, most embarrassing secret being broadcast for everyone here to hear? If I just called you up and I was like, hey, Micah, come on up and tell us your deepest, darkest secret, right? Like, and it wasn't just like a, ha-ha, that's Micah, but it was like it was a real deep, embarrassing thing, right? That's, that'd be terrifying. That'd be one of the worst moments ever. Now, this lady who is trying to stay private with her issue has to tell her whole story. The whole crowd hears. And so she got you got to just put yourself in her shoes, feel for her just for a minute. She thinks she's in trouble with Jesus. The whole crowd just heard her really embarrassing story about all this stuff. And she's got to be wondering, what is Jesus going to say in response? The whole crowd is hanging to see what Jesus is going to say. What is he going to do? This is the healer. This is the teacher. This is God. What is he going to do? What is he going to say? And in verse 48, he says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Wasn't in trouble. Wasn't trying to embarrass her. 
And for a moment, you got to think, okay, well, if Jesus wasn't trying to embarrass her in front of this whole crowd, what was he trying to do? Why did he call her out? Why didn't Jesus just say, you know what? I know this is an embarrassing story. I know you want to keep this hidden. I know that no one else needs to know about this. But so he, why didn't you just let her go? I believe Jesus called her out because Jesus wanted this crowd to follow the example of this woman. Jesus wasn't trying to embarrass a woman. Jesus was trying to make this woman a hero. He wasn't trying to shut her down. He was trying to build her up. Because of many people in the crowd, they were just there because they wanted to see what the hype was about. Or they were just there because a friend invited them. Or just it was something to do. Or because they wanted to see maybe Jesus like do another miracle, like turn water into wine or raise a guy from the dead, right? But this woman was one of the only people in the crowd who were there because she knew that she needed Jesus and that there was no other way for her to be healed. It wasn't being in the crowd that healed her. Jesus says it was her faith that healed her. It was her reaching out to Jesus that healed her. It was her faith to say, I can't solve my problem on my own and I need help. I need Jesus. You see, everyone else in the crowd thought that they were okay. This woman knew that she wasn't. The difference was that woman went home healed. The Bible doesn't say what happened to everyone else in the crowd. So I ask a question of you here today. Why are you here? Same question I asked two weeks ago. Are you trying to see what the hype is about? Did you come to be here with friends or something, just something to do? Or are you here because you know you need Jesus? My biggest fear for you and for me and for people around this church, this community, this world, is that all too often we come to these things because we just think it's going to be something fun and we don't realize that we actually need something. If you're here and you don't think you need Jesus, that's between you and God, right? Like, that's whatever, that's, that's between you guys. But here's what I'll tell you. The Bible says that we are all fundamentally sinful. We are all fundamentally broken. And I don't have to convince you of that, right? I don't have to convince you that, that, that we're not, that you and I are not all perfect. Because no one here would actually look at their life and say, you know what, yeah, I think I'm perfect. I think I haven't screwed anything up. Because we all have screwed stuff up. The Bible says we're all sinful. We've all fallen short of God's standard. And because of that, uh, uh, these you and I, imperfect people, have separated ourselves from a perfect God. And because we have separated ourselves from a perfect God, we're cut off from that relationship. Right? And so what happens is now, because we're imperfect, we can't be in the presence of a perfect God anymore. Because if we were in the presence of a perfect God, He wouldn't be perfect. Perfect perfection that's exposed to imperfection is no longer perfect. It's also imperfect. We would, we, and that's something that God just can't do. So, so no matter how many good things we do, no matter how much of a good life we live, no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we try to make up for the things we've done or apologize, there's no fixing it. We're not going to be made perfect again if we're already, if we're already imperfect. And so the Bible says that anyone who is not united with Jesus, you not, not in a relationship with God, not made perfect again, is, is supposed to be separated from God. And to be separated from God means to be absent of everything good. The Bible says that those 
who wind up leaving this earth in death, separated from God, go to a place that they really don't want to be. So what Jesus does, he comes and he, he, he lives a perfect life, right? He, he is, he's God, he becomes a human, he lives a perfect life. And because he lives a perfect life and doesn't screw up, he doesn't have to pay the penalty of death for his sin. Because he didn't have any sins, so he didn't have a penalty to pay. But Jesus dies anyway, and so when, for those who believe in Jesus, we get to claim his death for us. We can say, hey, Jesus died for me. He took that punishment for me. He didn't deserve to die, but he did it anyway. I deserve to die. But guess what? Because of Jesus, I get to live forever in eternity with him for those who trust in him. Now, friends, here's how this works. At the end of the day, Jesus takes the punishment for all sin at all time on the cross. Sins past that you've already done, sins that you'll do today, and sins that you'll do tomorrow. All sin that is in your life and mine is paid for by Jesus on the cross. The choice that you have is, do you own that for your life, or do you think you're okay without it? Do you own that for your life, or do you think you're okay without it? There's a lot of people, I think, who are here who genuinely, like, like me in high school, who think we're okay. We're like, you know, I'm really not that messed up. Like, I kind of lived a good life. I'm living a good life. I'm, I'm not that mean to people. Like, I, yeah, I screw some things up, but I'm generally okay. Like, I'm not really sick. I'm healthy. My family's doing all right. I get good grades. My life is going okay. And we know that Jesus is cool, and he heals people, and I like going to church, and I like seeing my friends, and I'll listen to the message, but I don't really have any issues right now. So I'm just going to go and be part of the crowd. But because I love you, I need to tell you that because of your sin, and because of the consequence of your sin is death and eternal separation in hell, that you're really not okay. Apart from Jesus, you're not okay. And I want to love you enough to tell you that you're not okay. And I want to encourage you to talk to your leader. If this is confusing, if this isn't making sense, if this is starting to make a little bit of sense and you realize, man, there's just, there is something in my life that I'm missing, that I'm not doing right, that I haven't quite figured out, that, that, I, that I'd love some more questions. I talk to your leader about that. They would love to have this conversation with you because what I would hate for this place to be would be a place where we all come and we gather together and we play some games and we sing some songs and we sit on some cold grass and our feet get wet and our hands get cold and we eat some pizza and then we go home without recognizing that we actually have a deep need, that we have a real problem. The difference between that woman and the entire rest of the crowd was that she was willing to admit that she had a problem. She wasn't trying to cover up. She wasn't trying to deny. She was who she was. She had a 12-year bleeding issue. She had to go see Jesus. It was the only way. And Jesus calls her out not to embarrass her, but to make her the hero of the story. Friends, you and I have a problem. The question is, do you see it? Do you know it? Do you believe it? Because unless you first understand that you and I have a significant problem, not between you and me, but between you and God, and this, then this is going to go nowhere for you. Youth group will always just kind of feel like, eh? Relationships with leaders will always just kind of feel like, eh? Life groups will always just be like, 
eh? Bible study will be like, eh? Because if you and I don't understand and recognize our fundamental problem that we've sinned against a holy God, a perfect God, a just God, a righteous God, and that sin deserves punishment, and that punishment is death and separation from God, and that separation from God is not good. That is an eternity without anything good. That is eternity separated from all the good gifts that God gives, like laughter and joy and friendship and relationship and fun, right? That's, that means none of that for the rest of eternity. That's a real problem. But if you don't recognize it, this will never be a place that brings life to you. Because if you and I sit here and just pretend that we're okay, we're going to get nowhere. What being better together means doesn't mean that we all just come together, sing some songs, smile and cover up the pain and cover up the hurt and cover up the stuff. Being better together means that like that woman... We show up in the crowd. And even if no one else is there to see Jesus, or even if everyone else is there just for the hype, just to be in the crowd, whatever, that we show up with our real problems and our real issues, and we're real before God and our, and our leaders and our friends that we trust about those things. Because only when we're real and authentic with our issues and our stuff is when Jesus can, will actually heal just like in this story. So my question for you is not do you think you have a problem, but what is it? And do you truly believe you can find healing and hope here? I'm not going to answer those questions for you in the next two minutes that I'm going to be up here. But I want you to think about those. And if stuff is stirring in your heart, if stuff is not making sense, don't be like the rest of the crowd and just go home without having a conversation about it. Show up. Be real. This is, I know there's a lot of people here that you don't know. And there's some people that you just came here to see just so you can see them. My hope is that this, if you let it, this can become the safest place for you. Yeah, sure, in any crowd, there's going to be some people, as you show up and you're real and you bring your whole life and your whole story, there's going to be some people who judge you, some people who talk about you, some people who think that's gross, that, that's weird. I'm sure there are people in the crowd with that woman who thought that was gross, that's weird. Why is she around here? She, get her out of here, right? But she knew that her need was far too great to listen to those things, to listen to those people. Friends, as you show up and you're real, and, and you start sharing your real life and your real heart, there's going to be people here, unfortunately, who will judge you, who will gossip about you, who might talk about it. But I promise you, healing from the Lord, I, first of all, I hope that doesn't happen, because if you are those people and you are going to do that, just leave. Don't, don't come. I don't want you here. So if you're, if you're that person that when someone shares in your life group, you're going to go tell all your friends, you're going to put them on blast, or you're going you're gonna to text people, or you're going to like prayer gossip, don't, don't come anymore. It'd be better for all of us if you weren't here. Or let's find a better way to plug you in. But if you are here, and you're willing to take on authenticity, knowing that, yeah, some people might talk, some people might judge you, some people might look down on you or see you differently, but you know that finding healing in Christ is so much more important than that. And we got a great place for you. Your leaders can be really safe people. Friends, this place 
we can truly be better together if we're all committed to showing up, being the real people, bringing our real selves. The last thing I would say, if you are in that crowd that tends to, go- like, if you're in the crowd that tends to gossip or tends to talk about people and you're kind of like, tends to judge, I will say this. Please don't judge someone that sins differently than you do. Please don't judge someone that just sins differently than you do. Because we all sin. We're all in the same boat. I'm saying this in kind of a hard, harsh tone. Not because I really want you to leave. I don't really actually want you to leave. But I want this to be a safe place. And I love you guys enough to, let's just have some hard words. Because sometimes hard words are the, the truest form of love. Love you guys. I want you here. But let's not judge people that sin differently. And let's show up being our real, whole, authentic selves. Even if the rest of the crowd isn't here for just that. Because we can truly be better together. Let me pray. And then we're going to do one more thing. And we're going to go spend some time in uh, groups. High schoolers, we've got some more information for your new small groups coming out next week. So stay tuned for that. Father, thank you for tonight. Um, sometimes, God, I get a little hyped on, on uh, whatever we're talking about. So... And I can start throwing my own words in. So I pray if there's anything that I said that does not reflect you or your heart for people, uh, the people here, I pray that you would uh, for, help us forget that because my words are terrible. But God, I pray if there are words that I have said that stick up, uh, that, that are actually your words, not mine, uh, that you've spoken through me, I pray that we remember those, hang on to those, um, and know that they are good for life and, and everything that you've called us to do. God, I pray for people who are who are they're showing up here and there's stuff in their life. I pray this can be a place where, like the woman in the crowd, where we can just be broken and not have it all together, and it's okay to not be okay. That we can be a hospital for broken people, not a museum for good ones. And God, I pray for anyone who tends to to talk and to gossip and to judge, that you would soften their heart and realize that the only difference that separates them and someone else is that their sin just looks different. We're all in the same boat apart from you, and that's not a good one to be in. So, God, I pray that we would find you and hang on to you and find your hope and your healing for all the situations of our life, no matter what our sin looks like. Because, God, your your son, Jesus, paid for all of it on the cross. We pray all these things in his great name. Amen.